0: Get on in there, see what all the excitement is about. It's going to be
1: so much fun. Love is just allowance. Love is just acceptance. You don't even have to do anything to love. You don't have to do anything.
0: Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome to the Kathy Heller podcast. This show is meant to be a guide for you. I want to be that mentor who can hold your hand through this journey. I know that there are so many twists and turns and navigating not only what is happening in our mind, but also understanding strategically how we wanna get from where we are to where we wanna go. In the show, we're gonna talk not only about how we can start to become aware of what are the subconscious things that are holding us back and how we can instead choose thoughts that are actually going to propel us forward. But in addition to changing the landscape internally, We are going to talk about the strategies that actually will help you to build a profitable business, getting paid to be you. Because when you have a business where you do what you love, you never really have to have that sense of work because it's a pleasure, because it's joy. And really, I want you to have the most abundant life. I want you to have the kind of life that you love waking up to every day, that you don't feel like you need a vacation from. So together on the show, every single episode, I want to be your friend. I want to be your mentor. I want to show you what is it that I think has really been insightful, been helpful. What are the tools and strategies? What are the mindset shifts that have helped me? And what are the things that have helped my guests to get to where they are? How can we together sort of cross this river to the most fulfilling life where we show up and we feel like we are living into our potential and having the most gorgeous, beautiful experience because after all, that is what we all desire. We're all craving to have the most joyful, beautiful life. And I really believe that we can design that and that we can experience a life that we just absolutely love. And not only will we enjoy it, but it will be a possibility for other people. It will show other people what's there for them and then maybe together, each one of us, by being the happiest versions of ourself and being the most fulfilled versions of ourself, we will help other people to reach for that higher branch and to find that in their own life. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller Podcast. Today, I'm so excited because I can officially invite you to our five-day free workshop. It is called most abundant year. And it begins January 23rd. That means for five days, starting January 23rd, Monday through Friday, I will be live with you in a private group, just for those of you who sign up for this free workshop. And every single one of those days, we'll be going over how you can make 2023 the most abundant year you've ever experienced. I will tell you right now, just to give you a little overview, day one, we're gonna talk about how to align with abundance and receive all that you truly desire this year. Day two, we're gonna talk about uncovering your gifts to help you understand how you can get paid to be you right away. What are the first steps you can take to really start to see yourself getting paid to do the things that you came to this world to do? Day three, we're going to talk about how you can grow an audience of people who you were truly meant to serve through connection. Day four, we're going to talk about how to release any of the doubts and rewire your subconscious mind so that you actually start to be allowing in that which you want, as opposed to blocking it, which sometimes we're not aware that we're doing. And day five will be a Q&A session as well as a wrap-up and a review. There's going to be giveaways every single one of those days. If you want to be a part of this, again, it's free. It's a five-day free workshop, most abundant year. Every single time we do this, we have thousands of people who come in for these workshops and it really does my heart so much good because I see all of the testimonials and people saying they are so incredibly happy that they came, that their lives feel like they're transformed, that they just can't even believe how much they got out of the experience. So I would love to see you in there. You can go to kathyheller.com slash workshop to grab your spot. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. If you have any friends who you've been talking to about this podcast and you want them to get a taste of what it is that we talk about here, you might want to invite them as well because it is in fact free. Well, today I'm thrilled because the amazing Alexandra Love is here. Some of the most beautiful songs I know are from Beautiful Chorus and Alexandra is the director and lead of Beautiful Chorus. She is also a spiritual coach, a meditative guide, a sound healing musician, a writer, and an artist. She started a beautiful chorus to spread a harmony-infused soundscape of interconnectedness, ease, and joy, and it has become one of the most successful independent vocal groups in the world. With over 400,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, they also have gotten some love from the Indyiree and Lizzo. They've traveled the world and performed in some of the most renowned venues, theaters, and cathedrals. Their music is so gorgeous, and when you listen to the songs, it's like transcending into some infinite... World of complete peace. This music should be required listening. So check it out if you have not heard it already. It was an honor to have this conversation with Alexandra. She is so wise, and I just enjoyed this conversation so much. Without further ado, please welcome the incredible Alexandra Love. Alexandra, this is just really special. Like you are like a minister of such important healing. The music the resonance of it it's like medicine and i i've always wanted to know what's the story behind the human the soul that's that's creating this work so tell us a little bit about you and before you even birthed beautiful chorus or had this chapter of your life what was one of the breadcrumbs that led you to feel like this would be your work in the world
1: those are such great questions and such large questions a little bit about me as a person. That's hard to describe. It's hard to describe myself because I'm living as myself. So how I feel in my life is just thankful and focused. And I've always been the kind of person who wanted to figure out the most joyful way to do things. At first, it was like the best way to do things, right? Or the more streamlined way to do things. But as it's evolved, it's just become the most joyous way to do things that then is also really beneficial, I'm hoping, for other people and just in alignment with who I am. So I guess that's me in a nutshell. Like I, I'm just doing the best I can trying to figure out joy on this planet where none of us know what's happening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was your first experience of like spiritual awakening or feeling like, oh, I think I am meant to help people have that.
1: Oh, interesting. It's just been as long as I can remember since I, was, since my first memories, very, very young, just like, hmm, you know, like, what is this? what's going on and why do people suffer and why do some people have joy and why do some people have abundance and some people don't. And um, I've always wanted to dive into those things and figure out ways to help myself navigate through life. But then of course, as you love and navigate yourself, I think it might just be a natural thing that you want to show love to and help other people. So. Yeah.
0: I think it's like anything delicious. Like if you're eating an ice cream cone, you say to someone, you have to taste this, you know, yeah. it's like, if you see yeah. a movie that you love that moved you, you're like, you have to see this. I think it's a natural thing that we feel satisfied when we share that, which is feeling most like joyful to us. Yeah, And and so let's mm-hmm. talk about beautiful chorus. Like how did that even become, what did it, is? like, how, how did that start?
1: At the time I was part of a group called soliloquists of sound and we were doing like hip hop jazz And that sort of a thing. And one morning I just woke up and was like, I want to put together a chorus of 12 women to help me sing harmonies. But yeah, that was pretty much it. It was just like an idea that I had when I woke up. And then we were actually only supposed to get together for one show. I taught them some of my songs and my harmonies, and we did one show. And then at the end of that show, it was like, all right, you know, thank you for <laughs> for everything. And we all of us were just like, well, we can't stop. This was amazing. So let's keep going. And then over the years, you know, people move away, people leave the group, but the high frequency love music of it all has stayed the same.
0: It gives me like goosebumps because isn't that just so that when we're not attached to things and they yeah. just come from a place of joy, which is a word you used before, like, wouldn't it be fun to do this one show? Yeah. All of a sudden there's the opening for, oh, we want to do this again. And then some of the most beautiful things that have ever come into the light are things that happened just like that without there being like, okay, here's the five-year plan. It's like none of that. It just was one thing. And then the next. So what was the next thing that happened on the journey that made you go, wait, this isn't just like another show we're going to do. Like we're Mm. now at a milestone where I'm seeing like this, this is big. This is going to be, what was that?
1: You know, it was right after that first show. And I started booking our first tour. We went on a five week tour as our first tour as beautiful chorus, meditating all around the country and just seeing the responses of people was like, my God, this is awesome. People really like this. And the thing that I found from the beginning that really helped us to expand was having no expectations. I tend to find that having expectations is great. And also though, sometimes we can have expectations that are a bit inflexible. So what I found was really helpful for this is like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what the sound was. We didn't know how long it would last. We didn't know any of it, but we weren't looking for those answers. We were just sort of following the energy of it. So it kept reaffirming itself as the journey went on.
0: I love everything you just said. And one thing that I want to ask you about is the feeling that a lot of people have, which is, well, are people going to like it? And then mm-hmm. I think because we want to fit in, we want to be liked and we want to belong, we will often make a decision about what people will think mm. and then decide to not put something out there. That and
1: is so interesting.
0: Beautiful yeah. Chorus is not like anything anyone has heard before. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes there are people who say to themselves, I don't see this represented anywhere. So therefore I make a conclusion
1: that this will
0: not be a thing. Right. And then there's other people who, again, maybe it's because it just is what's about to come. They can't Mm -hmm. help themselves. This is what they are Yeah. or because they're not attached either way. There are some people who make the decision of like, oh, it didn't even dawn on me that it's not out there. This is just love. And this is just me and my authentic spirit. So I'm putting it out there and then, oh, the NDIRE shows up (laughs) and like, you're like, whoa. And the whole marketplace goes, oh yeah, we never saw anything like it because you just hadn't shown up. But now that you showed up, we're like, hell yeah. Yeah. I want to hear your thought on that because for people listening- I think that there's a lot of beautiful, creative things that might get made if they were willing to trust that they don't have to have seen it already. Yeah, it, You know, they they can be the first one to the party with whatever it is.
1: Yeah, that's so important. My parents always raised me to just do my best. And logically, I knew that if I create something and I like it, it doesn't mean that other people are gonna like it, right? So even though that's what you hope for as an artist, there is sort of always that feeling of like, you know, I really like this and I've put my heart into this. So what's the audience going to have to say about it? But I think that thinking about what the audience is going to say as something is becoming can hinder that process. And I think that as artists, being in tune with our intuition, our intuition for me, my intuition is of the future. So if I listen to it, then in the future, I'll meet with the opportunity or I'll meet with the receptive ears or I'll meet with people who are like spirited that I can connect with on those levels. Whereas if I try to be meticulous about creating something that would fit into the world now, by the time it's done, the world will be different. So I think as artists, it's so important to follow our intuition, get in tune with ourselves, be comfortable with solitude and silence and stillness and also action and inspiration yeah. and just doing what we want creatively because, well, I think everyone's an artist first, but also I think that then as artists, it's important to listen to that part of ourselves because it's speaking us into existence in a way when we listen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really, really good what you just shared. And I think about what Lizzo said not that long ago in her acceptance speech about like, I didn't see women like me when I was growing up, which is a, it's a different point, but similar and she was like, well, but yeah. I'll be it then, right? I'll be it. And that is the future. I am the future. Yeah. That's, that was my job was to be yeah. the person who I needed.
1: Right. And right. then
0: the world, I guess what I'm saying is it's up to you to claim it. And when you mm-hmm. do whatever's supposed to happen, you'll be met there. But if yeah. you're waiting for someone to claim it first for you, you'll wait forever.
1: Yes. Or if you're claiming it because you think it's what people want instead of what's truly coming from you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how cool. Because I think, especially for women, but I'm sure this is true for men too, there's a lot of pleaser quality, like wanting to belong, wanting to be liked. And I don't know that enough people are like brazenly sharing their authentic spirit because they don't even know where to find it. They've learned how to take the temperature of the room and be who everybody wants them to. Gumby themselves into.
1: That's so interesting. I think about that in terms of wanting to be liked. I think the foundation of it for me is like wanting peace. Right. Right. So it's like if, but sometimes being yourself doesn't create peace for other people. You know, as long as you're not harming or interrupting anyone, but you're just living authentically. There are some people, I guess, who have problems with people just living authentically, but it's in those moments that we have to say, like, this inner peace is worth creating for, worth taking action for, worth communicating for. And so even if it seems like I'm disrupting the peace, it's so interesting because we are taught to be pleasing, but then we're taught to be pleasing to people who don't know what they want and can't be pleased.
0: (laughs) So all of it, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how we think that by not being authentic, we might be able to create peace. When the only opportunity there is for true love in a mm-hmm. room is if there is actual intimacy and intimacy yeah. only happens when you're telling the truth. So if yeah. you're not telling the truth and then you feel like you have peace, well, you don't, you don't even give the other person the opportunity right. to create peace with you because no one's authentic. Nobody's, there's yeah. no intimacy there when no, everyone's hiding. So it's really yeah, it's interesting tricky because
1: it can be short-lived peace. Can, you can have like a glimmer of peace. <laughs> right. By being disingenuous, but it's never long lasting. Yeah.
0: And speaking of peace, let's just get into the content itself. The music, every single track is a boat ride to peace. I feel like anytime Mm -hmm. I want to be just sort of dropped in immediately, I put on any one of your songs and I just feel, holy cow, how powerful it is a time travel into the 5D. It's a time you like zip off your ego instantly and just go, oh, here's my soul. There you are. Tell me about that. And what's in it when you're creating this music, what the intention is that you're hoping the, the humans, the souls that are listening
1: are going to receive? That's a beautiful question. I'll start with what I am going for. What I'm recording is to get basically what you said, to get acquainted with my spirit, which I believe is like part of the foundation of becoming, right? Is you get acquainted with yourself. So it's really what we hope people get from listening to our music is that they just get acquainted with themselves. I'm not trying to take people to a destination or have them understand me better or anything like that. It's really just about getting acquainted with our soul, our spirit, like, Hey, there you are. You're awesome. Just keep going. You're doing great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, like, Life is good and life can be what we make it. That's just what we hope people get from it. And of course, depending on different life situations, it can be harder or easier to hear or feel those messages, but that is our hope.
0: It's really beautiful. And I want to talk about it a little bit more because in the work that I do, having spoken now to really, truly thousands and thousands of women, I notice that people are very bought into the avatar that they play.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, when I had Deepak Chopra on the show, I asked him, why does he think there's a lot of suffering in the world? And he said, oh, people don't know who they are. They think they're their ego. So it's like, I am Deepak. And he said, and the real truth is, and obviously no pun intended, I'm preaching to the choir, but he says, you know, who we really are is just the, I am right. And as much as every wisdom tradition teaches that, I think there are so many messages and so much of a An onus placed on this three dimensional, separate looking physical aspect of life. Yeah. That when you say what you just said so beautifully, getting reacquainted with my soul, it's like I'm so identified with my ego. I don't even know what you're talking about. And unless a person has had the experience of a moment of Zen or meditation or some flow state, they might not even know that that's available because they're Mm -hmm. in that spinning subconscious mind all day long and they're so identified to it. They haven't yet found the place where they can witness it and Mm -hmm. not be in it. So I'm curious to hear you say more about what does that mean to you? And how would you explain to people what that state of being is so they can maybe find their way
1: to it? That's such a good question. I know the feeling well, but to describe it, I think it's different for each person, but I believe that it has to do with our inner voice ourself right the self that comforts us when we're sad or upset or overwhelmed the self that cheers us on when we're excited or taking on a new project product whatever the part of us that truly loves the people in our lives it's like there are ways that it comes out but to describe the feeling is so nuanced because it's it's a full experience I feel as though if anyone is even intrigued by the idea of getting reacquainted with spirit, then they must already know what that feels like. And if they're not, then that's okay. You know, we're not trying to force anyone to think about things that they don't want to think about. or We're not trying to get anybody to feel things they don't want to feel or think around concepts that they're not comfortable with. It's really just you, your authentic self, like who we were when we were kids and playing, like just uninhibited, loving, self-accepting, but i think you're right a lot of people get a lot of distance between themselves their ego or their identity and that soul that spirit so it's the way that i get in touch with it the most is when i do things that i used to love as a kid i'll color or i'll eat something with my hands <laughs> <laughs> or i'll play with my cats or just walking in nature like it's those kinds of like what could be considered to be cliche things that are that are actually really helpful in finding yeah it. yeah.
0: yeah it's interesting cuz you're so not pretentious and those are such cool ideas. You know, it's That's like, cool. it can feel really unattainable to meditate for some people because yeah. that feels scary or whatever it feels. I, I get it. And then you're like, well, you could just eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Have you thought about that? Or you could just yeah. color
1: like. Yeah. Almost- eat spaghetti with your hands, do something that like, you know, we're always told that we shouldn't be doing or it's too messy or it's too loud or it's too this, it's too that. Just take up space and have fun.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit more of what you've been creating this meditative album, fucking relax. I mean, that's the best title ever.
1: (laughs) It's how I talk to myself. That's why I titled it that.
0: Okay. So what was that whole love bomb about? Like what made you feel like I need to create this album and I needed to be about this kind
1: of content? Um, I was talking to myself and just happened to record it. Really, I enjoy figuring out how I feel now and how I want to feel, and then the bridge between the two. I enjoy the bridge a lot. And so, those details and how those tracks are worded are very much just how I talk to myself, you know, because I think a lot of spirituality is uh, sometimes gentle when it doesn't want to be. And I've never taken that approach with myself, I'm very direct with myself. So that's where that came from.
0: Say more about that. Cause I think that's a disruptor thought. I don't think I've heard that. And I like it. What do you mean mm. that it doesn't have to be gentle that you actually experience finding some kind of relief in being more like direct with yourself? What does that mean?
1: I enjoy directness in general. I enjoy <laughs> understanding and clear communication and distinct focuses and ways to get there. Right. So for me, My own personal form of spirituality for myself is very direct. I mean, I think we've all experienced it. There's some sort of a false belief sort of circulating in the foundation of what people claim spirituality is that says you have to speak a certain way and you can't, you know, be abrupt and you have to be extra soft and extra gentle. And the realm of spirit is amorphous. And like, you, you know, you've got to feel like a cloud in a human body. And I don't think that that's always helpful. So in moments when I myself am being stubborn and I tell myself to fucking relax, it helps because it meets the energy of where I'm at. So I think that if depression were gentle, I would be gentle all the time, but it's not. <laughs> so, so a little bit of fire goes a long way.
0: Yeah, I really love that because I think what we talked about before and you said this need to be pleasing or raised to be pleasing. Mm. Yeah. It's like... It's enough. Like it's exhausting. I feel tired for the part of me that does that. And I feel tired for other people when I see them doing it. Yeah. And especially with women, I feel like, why is it that only certain parts of you are welcome at the table? Like the pretty part, the kind part, the compassionate part, the empathetic part. Like I get it. You're nice. I don't think you're not nice. Where's the part of you that gets angry? Where's the part of you that gets pissed? Why is that? not welcome. What is it about those shadow sides that doesn't feel like it's worthy of being at the table? Like it's, it's all there working on behalf of our highest self. Yeah. And so I think that there's just like this cutting off and this resistance to which I think the work you do. And I think some of the things you're saying, like can help us to be more integrated. Like why are you cutting off part of yourself? That's not sexy. That's not fierce. That's not you in your fullness of your power.
1: Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. That's so interesting because I totally agree. And oftentimes we tend to like, you know, like we let out our fierceness or we let out our strength or our independence or, or whatever, but it's still sort of got something about other people in it mixed in that energy. So for me, not worrying about, necessarily being pleasing or why something is or isn't allowed at a table is like, that's where meditation comes in really handy. Because if you say to someone who's been oppressing their own feelings, like be fierce, there's going to be an overcorrection and they're going to be too fierce a lot of times and disregard the feelings of other people and say things that they wanted to say for for 20 years. And there's a bit of an overcorrection when it comes to finding balance. If you've been at the end of one extreme, you're likely to just logically I've done it also go to the other extreme when it comes to balancing out so that you can feel the middle. Right. But what I feel like happens so often is that people cut that off so much. And then when they do express it, they still are doing it. Now it's not only to not be pleasing, it's to be disruptive. If that makes sense. Um, It's it's like now it's like coming to to the table on fire, (laughs) like, you know, like, swords blazing, which is fine, which is totally fine in the right moments. But I tend to find that sometimes that gets overused as well.
0: I'm so, so glad that you just said that. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I do feel like that is such an important piece. And I agree with you. It's yeah. like, okay, so now you're out to prove something.
1: Right. So is Which that- I don't think is negative. Because you need it to find the balance. But I think it's important to know that that's not the ending place. So if you've been quiet your whole life, you're not going to move into being a person in any consistent way. That's yeah. always loud. That's always exactly. a voice. That's but exactly. so go there, know that it's temporary and like now come, India says yeah. it, come back to the middle, come back to the middle.
0: Come back to the middle. Yeah,
1: it's so beautiful.
0: You're right, you're right. It's a really important, beautiful point. Because what happens is then we make a whole identity around I'm a rebel, I'm a troublemaker, I'm a this. And it's
1: like- I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't- What's
0: that? That makes you spiritual? That you just decided that that's now the note you live in? Like I saw a film of a shaman in Japan and he was able to, I literally saw it with my own eyes. He was literally to set a newspaper on fire, on fire with the energy that's flowing through his hand. And it was just like this incredible documentary about energy work and beautiful, beautiful, right? And oh, like what he has to do to get so focused to create so much heat from his hand that he could set this on fire was incredible. Mm -hmm. And then in the next moment, he's smoking a cigarette. He's a real dude, okay? That's who he's doing. And then he goes in to do a treatment with someone where he gets really quiet and still and heals this man's eye with some craniosacral, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought how beautiful that he knows when to pull and push the different buttons. And so there's a time and a
1: place for the heat. Yeah, there's a time and a place for the heat. That's, yeah. And yet he's not
0: stuck there because that would also be resistance. It's like either way, you're out of balance. If you're pleasing all the time, something's up. If you're fiery all the time, it's like I saw saw Deepak recently and he said he wears red shoes. And I said, why do you do that? He goes, because I have to remind myself, I have a lot of pizza in me. And I don't want to get a temper because that's my, you know, when I'm out of balance, right? Yeah. But this man is not trying to be all Pitta or all that, like he knows when to use it. That's part of his gift is to be in balance. He's got some fire when he needs to use it. So I love that you're saying that speaking of the NDRE who you just mentioned, what was that experience like working with her? I mean, it must be so
1: beautiful. And I
0: just would love to hear more about what that was like for you.
1: It was spectacular. It was wonderful. Actually, it was very easy and smooth and we get along like sisters. So, it was great. It's
0: obvious. It How great. did that even come about?
1: She shared one of our songs on Instagram, so I just sent her a message. <laughs> and then it just like went from there. Just went from there. Yeah, I think that's that's related to something else that I wanted to touch on in terms of like, you know, being quiet all the time or being fiery all the time. It's the all the time that is that can be where the imbalance lays, right? So there is something to be said for not being afraid to be too much if you've been holding yourself back because that's a natural progression, right? So find your edge of where you want to be, who you want to be, where you want to go with it, where you want to go with the energy, and then you can you can find like if you navigate everywhere, then you know where you want to go, and it's the same thing with Indiaire is that we didn't see a limit there. I think most people might see someone share their stuff and be like, wow, that's great. I hope something could develop from it. But we're just like, let's just send a message. You know, the worst that could happen is that they don't respond. So I think it's about taking the chance to be too much in some moments when you're coming from an authentic place. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to be too much if you're okay. being your authentic self.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I was going to follow up and ask you that. Cause I think a lot of people would have said to themselves, well, she's here, whatever that means. And I'm here, whatever that means. So <laughs> who am I? And it's like, what are you talking about? Like the soul doesn't. <laughs> measure people by how many followers they have, like the soul's not looking at how many Grammys you have. Like it's all one big pool, this field of consciousness, send her a message. Right. And you did. And she enjoyed probably so much of what you guys got to do to collaborate. And it it felt so right as a listener that I can imagine that there could be so many (laughs) more collaborations between you guys, because it's, we hope so. It almost is as if she was part of it the whole time. The beautiful court. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, it's just like, this is all the same frequency. So it's,
1: exactly. yeah,
0: it's so yeah. beautiful. And what about with Lizzo? How did that come about?
1: Well, she shared one of our songs as well. And that's pretty much where that has gone so far. We know she's busy and we might not even be on her radar anymore, but for us, her sharing one of our songs, it was the It was our song, Thank You. And it was like a glimpse of the desert where she was staying. And just that she was there in that moment, listening to that song with those frequencies. Isn't that that so cool? Just like (laughs) so beautiful for us. So it's so um, cool. That's how that came about is that she's just spectacular. So
0: you guys have, for just for my listeners, I want them to hear this that you have hundreds of thousands of monthly listeners on Spotify and in all different parts of the world listening to you. And I think I want to ask you about that because I think a lot of people feel like if they're not Taylor Swift, if they're not vanilla ice cream, if they're not a chocolate chip cookie, they're not going to go viral or not everybody's going to line up. And Mm. I think that what we've started to see is that when something is actually so original, then a whole lot of people, like as many people as would listen to Taylor Swift, yes. might not even know about it, but the people who know about it are obsessed with it. Mm. And I think you guys fall into that category of wow, it's not at the top of the billboard chart and different than the song that's on the top of the billboard chart that someone might say, Yeah, I, I like them, or I've been to a concert. No, mm. no. The people who like you are like, this is part of my identity. Like I go to every show. I listen to everything. I buy every album, right? It's an obsessive kind of culture.
1: Okay. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. I know people enjoy it and we've been part of people's experiences that are just like birth and transition and life moments and like, definitely. But no, I didn't know that. That's People cool. are obsessed.
0: <laughs> it's a different kind of love. It's a it's an all-in. Cool. It's all in. Feel like have you not heard them? Like go experience That's it.
2: Cool. That's cool. You're so cute. You're like, really?
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. What? <laughs> That's awesome. What do you say to somebody who might want to become a full-time creative person, whether they're writing music or they're doing mm-hmm. pottery or sculpture or writing prose? Yeah. About how to find their way to the flow state where they can let themselves stop judging and criticizing, yeah. but just like, be in the flow of creativity. What's your experience of that? And what might you suggest?
1: That can be so intense in a world like this world. So I'll preface by saying all the advice I'm about to give is just what I did, and it is not the easy way. That being said, I put the importance of my flow state at the top of my list of priorities, which meant then that. I didn't want to get a nine to five job at a certain point. So I just stopped the three jobs I think I had at the time. And I moved to Orlando because that's where people were that I wanted to make music with. And it was just like this whole flow of, you know, flow state is intuition. It's inspiration. It's creation. So if you really want to honor your flow state, bring it into your life as much as possible and keep jobs that you need, if you feel like you need them. But if you don't, get out of them and spend every waking moment following your own impulses as much as possible, which I know is really challenging because this world is literally set up so that people can't do that. I think because it's self-actualizing and self-actualized people aren't consumers. So it's very, it can be very challenging, but
2: very sad
1: but if you can, you know, someone told me once years ago, follow your intuition. I was like, oh yeah, I do. But they were like, no, follow your intuition. I was thinking about it after the fact and realized that I had been thinking of intuition, like, oh, this big decision is coming. Let me use my intuition to make that choice. Yeah. This new decision is coming. Let me make this decision with my intuition instead of like every waking moment is intuitive. They're is guidance. There are signs, and even if you say, "Okay, I want the color of cars to represent something for me," universe, like what are you going to tell me today? Like, let the color of the cars around you inform your life. Let the way you feel, let the way your body feels, inform your life. Even if it's on, you know, a week vacation, take a week and just unplug, just see where you want to yeah. go, see what you want to do.
0: You know, you're making what's... you're making me think of something, which is that in two thousand and six, two thousand six. So I had come out to LA in 2003 to be a songwriter. And I had a record deal at Interscope and I got dropped. And then I had a record deal at Atlantic and got dropped. And then I was like, oh, so frustrated. So I got a day job and I wound up after two years being like, what am I doing? I feel like a guitar that's holding a potted plant in its like center as opposed to being used as an instrument. So I quit. And when I quit, you you just reminded me of something I I haven't shared with my audience in 700 episodes. I just didn't think about it, but I decided I didn't know what I was going to do next. But I knew that I was going to wear the color I wanted to wear in the morning and eat the sandwich I wanted to eat Yep. and see what would happen if I just did that. And so I remember taking an orange crayon out of a box. This is such a visceral memory and just scribbling all over the page with orange. And I was like, I like orange. I like forgot that I liked it because I was working in this like corporate environment for two years. I needed a day job and I was wearing a suit and I was like, I have nothing orange in my closet. Yeah, And I got rid of all the clothes. I gave all these clothes away that I didn't need. I had a few girlfriends come over. People took stuff. And then I said, what would be the color that I would wear? And I remember feeling and thinking that even though I didn't have money or knew where the money was going to come from, I was like, this is the best day because I did intuitive things. And then what happened? I asked myself a question, which is, is there any way I can do music? And I wound up for 10 years finding out that I could license my music to Grey's Anatomy and Dawson's Creek at the time and One Tree Hill and McDonald's commercials. And so for 10 years, yeah, I actually made a living licensing songs. And I was very happy. And that was because I picked up an orange crayon and I've never actually said that, Wow! but that, what you just said is this is so big. Like I didn't even honor that scene enough to go, wait, that was the beginning of what led me to find my way to the middle and find a way to get paid to do what I love Yeah, because I was like, on no uncertain terms, I'm going to listen to my intuition.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we we've stopped being able to hear it.
1: Right. Cause it's very, it won't interrupt in most cases. It's not going to interrupt the job or the worrying or the persistent self-doubt. But if you just tune into that part of you, that's like, we talked about a kid, like, what would a kid do? Like, I like orange, pick up an orange crayon. Like it can be what seem like the simplest things that actually end up being the most profound and bring us to who we are.
0: Speaking of being a kid, I want to ask you this follow-up question, which is, I asked this to Julia Cameron. I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever read The Artist's Way, that book? No. It's like a recovery book for your creativity. It's like creative recovery. It's beautiful. You would really love it. But I asked her, do you really think everybody's creative? And she said, have you ever been looking at a child in a preschool And seen a person who's not creative. And I said, oh, that's so fascinating. I didn't even think that. And she said, no, no, every child in that room is most lit up in the moments of creativity. She said, what happens is, and this is what I want to ask you about. She said, what happens is at some point, you know, this kid who's willing to get paint in their hair at some point when they turn nine or 12 or 15, they're not willing to get paint in their hair. Because yeah. they don't want to be rejected because yeah. they don't want someone to say something about it because they want yeah. to get the A. And yeah. so, so many of the people who listen to this show will say to me, I you know I've had this thing inside of me for so long, but I don't want to make something messy. I yeah. don't want to write a bad song. I don't want to publish a bad reel. I don't, and it's like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This okay. need to be perfect is literally suffocating you. Yeah. So what would you say to a person about creativity and allowing yourself a process.
1: I would say first that the idea of perfection, it doesn't work. The idea of perfection doesn't work. Because perfection kind of indicates that you're talking about something in its finished state and nothing is ever in that state. I feel the same way about mistakes or failure. You know, it's important to be willing to fail a lot of times, but if you really look at failure, it doesn't actually exist because there's no fixed state of failure. There's always more. So I would say that if you find yourself concerned with how the rest of the world is going to view your mess, then at first make your mess alone and get really well acquainted with it. I heard a creator say once she was wearing smaller clothes than she had been taught to wear and because she had been uncomfortable with her body and then grew up and it blossomed into a pattern as a lot of things do. But she said, if you want to get comfortable wearing something or more comfortable with your body, wear what you want to be wearing around your house when it's just you and make it be the normal state of how this is just how this body feels wearing this and I'm comfortable with it. And, or I'm going to get comfortable with it because I see the benefit in becoming comfortable with it. And I would say the same thing for your art or your mess or your intuition or um, how you speak or how you process emotions. If you're not sure how, or you don't want to deal with other people perceiving it before you're fully acquainted with it, then do it alone. I love
0: that suggestion. I've never heard that or thought that, but it makes a lot of sense. I heard Ed Sheeran say that creativity is like going to a cabin that you haven't been in the woods in a long time. And you turn on the water faucet And the water at first doesn't run clear. It's like brown a little bit. It has like dirt, you know, in the water. And then the longer you let the water run, it just gets clearer and clearer. And he said that with his music, he had to write his way through the brown water. Like, oh yeah, it got better and better. But Mm -hmm. if he would have judged himself based on his like second song, he never would have become a writer.
1: You know, judging ourselves so early in the process stops so many masterpieces from being created I can't even tell you even just the song I am I rewrote that song before we sent it to India probably 11 times 11 times but not in the search of perfection for me it's the search of like the energy that feels harmonious the energy that makes sense of a song but it's because of that 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 song came about and I have always allowed myself to write stuff that I knew wasn't going to be the final song like I know when it's coming out that like I'm not thinking that it's it every time, but just like what you described with Ed, Ed Sheeran, just like you, I feel like you have to say his whole name for some reason, but just like <laughs> you described with Ed Sheeran is that if you allow yourself that process, you can get to the clear water as he put it.
0: I mean, it's so important what you just said. I don't think people can hear that enough because I think a lot of people have experienced a lot of things that looked like love in their life, but maybe weren't love and it was very okay. conditional and so yeah. in order to give themselves love and grace they feel like there has
1: to be some mm. they have to prove themselves they have to be impressive oh my god no no love is just allowance love is just acceptance you don't even have to do anything to love you don't have to do anything it's just
0: and you know, what's so beautiful about what you just said, first of all, was how you just said it. It was like, oh no, no, no. Let me come over here. Come, come child, come under my wing. Let me tell you, but <laughs>
1: it's not how I meant it, but I
0: no, cool that's how good. I appreciate <laughs> so much. It's like such a part of you. Like that's not what love is. Love is just allowance. <laughs> but what I also want to ask you about, and I see this in so many people, including myself, mm-hmm. it's one thing to give love, which I feel like is a gift that God gave me. Like, I love loving people. Like I love it. It feels like my job every day and it's a pleasure, whether it's like the guy working at the grocery store or like, I just love it. But receiving love, my wiring is like my nervous system says, I have no reference point for this. Mm. This feels unsafe. Love always came at a cost. Love is always to receive love. You have to hold a lot for people. You have to give back. You have to measure for measure kind of a thing. Okay. And I think a lot of women, especially God, are we like over functioners and over givers? Mm-hmm. And then it's like not knowing that receiving is a version of love. Cause when you yeah. just said it's allowance, it's like, well, then that, that door has to swing both ways yeah. and you have to be willing to let it in in order for the other person to feel the love you want to give them. You got to well, allow it.
1: Tricky. It's so tricky though, because the only way to allow it from someone else is if you've already allowed yourself to love yourself. I think that's why it's so important to do those things alone first. Like if you really want to love and you want to know how to love, love yourself first and really figure that out. I think a lot of people, you know, RuPaul, like if you can love yourself, how how are you going to love somebody else? But like people aren't really focusing on loving themselves. They're focusing on trying to love themselves while still trying to love other people. But it's like, if you can't accept yourself, then it's going to be, I think, increasingly difficult to accept other people and to understand other people's acceptance of you.
0: So I want to ask you about this because I've been on a spiritual journey since my 20s and I was a world religion major in college and just kind of ate it up. And then I went to Jerusalem. I thought I was going to be there for the summer. And I stayed there for three years learning like mysticism and just like all the Kabbalah was like hitting control alt delete on my software. You know, it was just so powerful. And then I've done a lot of things since then uh, in terms of mindfulness and Buddhism and kind of like mixed it all together and just in awe sort of. And the thing that I came home to, my rabbi in Israel said to me, uh, you are someone, you're some of the one, you know, you are a masterpiece, a piece of the master. Yeah. All that happens in this world is this one infinite field hmm. and we're all a part of it. And mm-hmm. it looks like things are separate, but read Einstein, nothing separate, right? So. What's confusing to me Mm -hmm. as I still am such a student is like, if the, I am is all that is, what does it mean then to love myself, loving God? Like I love, I love the infinite. I love this oneness. I got that. But this Kathy Heller ego avatar, she's really annoying sometimes. (laughs) And then I don't know what that means to love yourself. Cause if it is, I am, which is a song that we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. like, I think Loving yourself is loving the capital S, which is really 99% of what's happening and moving okay. in the room and then learning how to look at this little avatar and say, with all your brokenness oh. and ego,
1: oh my I love you too. Oh, that's so intense because it means that you're looking at something and seeing it as flawed, but still trying to love it. Yeah, I think that's what I, is that getting... possible. Is it possible to see something as flawed and still love it? Because I, I haven't experienced that. I think oh, that's I what... experienced not seeing the flaw personally. That's just me.
0: Wait, say that keep saying, keep going. Uh, keep,
1: saying. <laughs> <laughs> keep saying, keep saying. Um <laughs> it's so fun to put this stuff into words because it's so it so doesn't have, you know, edges. Yeah. yeah um yeah. okay. This is just my opinion, but also my experience. It's all the capital S. All of it including the small s still part of the capital s so for me getting in touch with the capital s getting in tune with my spirit so good and then looking at my life through the eyes of my spirit i see all of these things and i don't call any of it flaws see it's tricky because humans have certain language around things but i also tend to not look at things dualistically also
0: because there is no dual, it's all right. right? All that is is vibration energy. Yeah. So we just yeah. think it's dual because our eyeball sees it in three D. Yes.
1: Yeah, there's validity to these senses and what it is that we're there's validity to the perception of separateness. But I don't believe that there's validity to the clinging of the separateness. Hundred
0: percent, a hundred percent. We're 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 saying similar and yet fascinatingly different things that all kind of help us process what we're really saying. And I love what you just said though, is like, there is no flaw, but I do think it's fascinating because in the Buddhist culture, this feeling of like being the witness to the ego, right? Like yeah. letting go of ego. Okay. Mm. I think it's fascinating what you're saying, because there should be no shame in the ego is what you're, you're saying it's all working on behalf of this higher good field, blah, blah all that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: And there is no, nothing other than that. Right. Like That's really cool because this anti-self, whatever we are going to call this ego self, this avatar, whatever that is, that, that static, you're saying, no, 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 that is literally your greatest like ally in a way it's, it's there to help you jump higher. It's only, it's all working for good. So it's your leading edge, which then helps you sort of bump into contrast, which was only there for you to reveal more light or however else we could say it. It's like, there's nothing but beauty is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful everywhere, which is challenging in a world where things are clearly also going wrong on certain levels. You know, it's a lot to talk about, but I think that the more we accept ourselves, the more that we look at ourselves through the eyes of the spirit that is within us, then it carries over to everything else. So that then you know, I can respond to a situation that needs my help without also looking at it like it itself is a problem. I think that's-
0: Oh my God, that's so good.
1: Between empathy, sympathy, and compassion is that like empathy and sympathy, you kind of go to where, you know, like people say I'm an empath or, you know, like I, I absorb people's emotions, I this and I that. Those things you kind of go into it. And you're kind of in the division of it all. But from compassion, you're looking at it from, the standpoint of spirit and saying, I know how to address this. I know how to communicate with it, interact with it and love it. And I can also see it for what it is, but I don't judge it.
0: I mean, it's huge what you're saying because people will say to me, sometimes I'll post a reel about beauty or receptivity or finding joy and generating that from within ourselves. And people will say, and I don't blame them for saying it. How can you say that when there's so much in the world that's not at peace and there's always been that, like since the yeah. beginning of time, pick any time period in history, there's yeah. always going to be contrast. This was yeah. light. This was dark. Yeah. This was this, this, the, 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 the full piano range of notes. Yeah. And so one question I have for every spiritual teacher, which you certainly are, is how do we then allow ourselves to experience peace, even when there isn't that feeling or experience of peace. Like people could say, until there's peace in Iran, who am I to feel peace? And what you just said before is a version of like, but if I can find peace, if I can come to the frequency of peace, that's my best bet at offering peace into this ocean. Right. And yet I can understand the double bind feeling of being an empath and saying, I can't be at peace until the environment in which I am in is fully at peace. And that is a really hard thing to swallow because then good luck, because there's so much that
1: you could look at and not find peace in. That's a multi-layered sentiment for sure. I think, oh, it's so, it's interesting because in speaking with empaths myself, a lot of this sentiment that I've heard from people who call themselves empaths is, I absorb this, I can't be good until this is good. But what I always say to the empaths I know is you're an empath because you're supposed to focus and look at that and view that and witness and interact with that if you choose to or help that situation from your strong place of love. You're an empath because you're supposed to support that situation instead of being thrown around by it. And I think that we've just been taught to give our power away so much that we have this power and we automatically think, well, I'm an empath. Let me just I'm going to just give it away. Let me help whoever. Let me have no energetic boundaries. Let me look at life as though it's happening to me and I don't have any control over my emotion or my energetic state. When in reality, empaths are so powerful that if you were to look at the situations that are happening around the world through the gaze of love that you are capable of cultivating and focusing within, then I believe that those kinds of situations would resolve more quickly, more harmoniously and- even more beautifully.
0: I a hundred zillion thousand percent agree. And I don't take it lightly and I'm not cavalier about it, but I think the only thing we have control over at a certain point is where we put our focus and focus Mm -hmm. equals feeling. And when you focus your attention on Mm. oneness and light, you vibrate like that. And really we all have to be responsible for the energy we bring in the room. And we're yeah. in control of that by what we're focusing on. And if everybody were to do that, yeah, that's
1: it. And it's instead, of what we're focusing yeah. on and it's how we focus. You know, if you have a million people looking at a tragedy and they all have their phones out and they're weirdly reveling in the suffering of, of other people, it's very different from having a million people who have all just meditated fully love themselves and are centered gazing at the same situation. Oh, I mean, anyone, even in science, you know, that the observer changes the experiment and that's, I mean, none of us know what's even going on here. So I call it an experiment sometimes, but, you know, try looking at things through a loving gaze if you can, and it's easier to do if you love yourself.
0: Yeah. So I went with Dr. Joe Dispenza to a lab at UCSD and I stood in a room with meditators and watched pancreatic cancer cells changing in an incubator.:
1: Yeah
0: from the energy of love.: Yeah. And if love can change cancer, yeah. non-locally, and that feels very physical, then I think we could create more ease in the world by the way we observe things. And absolutely. Um, I think these things are very exhilarating to people to hear and also threatening because it puts the responsibility back on us to feel. Yeah a higher vibration. Yeah. And we gotta get there.
1: I think we go there na I agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think that a little tweak in the language of getting there versus just dropping the stuff we don't need. Yeah. You know, like a hot air balloon. Like if you drop enough of the stuff <laughs> you don't need, you'll just naturally, you know, well we don't have to climb. There's no we can fly. We have wings, whatever it is in the metaphor that we need, but yeah, we don't have to get to a place. I think it's, you know, I think for a lot of people like inner anger and rage and sadness and doubt and worry are big issues in a lot of people's lives. And I think that we don't express those things enough, which is why they come out in moments when they shouldn't be coming out at other people, which is never ideal, right? So another thing I would say is that if you have this thing inside you that just has never relieved, and you've been trying to reach for a spiritual place, try expressing that in some kind of guided safe way. Even if it's just you and your car parked somewhere screaming, run out to the middle of a field and throw a temper tantrum, whatever it takes, like get that energy out and you will naturally feel better. I mean, we know the stress hormones are in tears. It's
0: yeah. And it's it's so interesting. And I love talking to you. We're going to wrap up now. So I want to be respectful (laughs) of your time, but I do want to say that we can talk about big things like what's happening around the world yeah, and really what's happening in your living room. Yeah. Not even with someone else. I mean just with yourself. Like if you weren't seeing anything on the news and you were just having to take a barometer of mm-hmm. you inside of yourself. What you feel? Do you feel peace? Do you feel at rest, right? Before you even see the new headline because the bottom line is I think we've become addicted to suffering. We're addicted to cortisol. We're we're are on a cellular level we like We don't really even notice how much we're afraid of joy because when we're in joy, our ego says, Hey, Hey, wait, wait, freedom. You could get hurt here. Come on. I'm on back. Go back to fight or flight. Right? So it's like, you don't need to point a finger at anything that's happening in the world because the, the fundamental facts of the way that human beings are wired is joy. This amygdala that we have, it's not, It's not rooting for you to have joy take over. And that's so much of why people just kind of get into this like static. And then from that static comes all kinds of contrast, right? All kinds of rage, all kinds of crime, all kinds of issues, all current, right? But but start with yourself, like start with yourself. So I I just want to say a huge thank you. And I think now that we've had more of this conversation, you can tell why I love your music so much because- it's so much a beacon of everything I've learned that feels like truth to me. So thank you for making it. And thank you for being so cool. And tell everybody where they can hang out with you. Like, is it, I know you're on Insight Timer. Where can they buy the next record? What's coming next? Like, just tell people where they can come follow along.
1: Absolutely. All things Beautiful Chorus. So really on any platform, if you just search for Beautiful Chorus, will come up. And I also wanted to say thank you, so much because this has been such a cool, dynamic, fun, like explorative (laughs) conversation. It's like my favorite kind to have. So thank you for real.
0: Oh my gosh. I love you. Thank you for just being such a pleasure, such a joy in this world.
1: Absolutely. Thank you too. And thank you for the work you're doing because it's changing lives for real.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Stay in touch.
1: Oh my gosh, it was just such
0: a gorgeous conversation. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, when you have no expectations and you just follow the energy, you begin to expand. Number two, follow your intuition, get in tune with yourself. Be comfortable with solitude, silence, and stillness, and also action and inspiration. Number three, life is good and life can be what we make it. Just take up space and have fun. Don't be afraid of being too much if you're being your authentic self. Number four, put your flow state at the top of your list of priorities. If you really want to honor being in that state, bring it into your life as much as possible. Follow your own impulses as much as you can. Number five, every waking moment is intuitive. There's guidance. There are signs. Let the way you feel, the way your body feels inform your life. Number six, sometimes the simplest things end up being the most profound and bring us to who we are. Number seven, be willing to fail a lot of times. Failure doesn't actually exist because there's no fixed state of failure. There's always more. Number eight, love is just allowing. Love is just acceptance. You don't have to do anything to love. And number nine, if you drop the stuff you don't need, then you won't have to climb. You'll have the wings and you can fly. Thank you so much for listening to this show. I hope you can feel how much I appreciate you. And I hope that you've been enjoying these episodes and finding them helpful. We have so many good ones coming up. So please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review and a rating because it helps us out tremendously. And if you can think of someone who would love listening to this show, then please share it with them, email or text them the link. And you might want to post about it on Instagram. You can tag me at Kathy.Heller. Come on over to Instagram, by the way, because I've been posting every single day and I think that you might enjoy some of the things that I've been sharing. People seem to be feeling like they're really hitting a nerve. And lastly, don't forget, I'm doing a five-day free workshop, January 23rd through the 27th. If you want to spend five days with me every single day, I'll be live for about an hour. You can grab your spot. Just go to kathyheller.com slash workshop. I love you so much. Here's a song of mine. I'll talk to you soon.